0: The Block Talk podcast started because of my passion for the property management industry. I wanted to start a conversation and add some value within the industry with a diverse range of people and professionals who can add something extra. As we start out, my aim is that the podcast offers some useful insight into a variety of views, opinions, thoughts, and foresights from our guests who include business leaders and industry experts. If you enjoy the podcast and want to find out any other information, head on over to BrianWelsh.co.uk. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Block Talk podcast. Um, Today we're doing a special round table episode (coughs) and we're joined by Hardeep Devsey, David Reed and Chris Ashurst. Um, So Hardeep has worked for the Scottish government since 1998 and as he's been in IT actually for a long time, which interests me, but we'll maybe talk about that a separate time. Hardeep's currently the head of Cladding Remediation Unit for the Building Standards Division within the Scottish government. David Reid is a past president of the Property Managers Association in Scotland and a member of the member on the Scottish Government Cladding Stakeholder Group. He's also the CEO of James Gibb, which is where I know him from and I know him very well. Um, he's been on the podcast a couple of times before. Chris Ashurst is also um, a homeowner representative on the Scottish Government Cladding Stakeholder Group. But he's also the group coordinator at the High Rise Scotland Action Group and has been there for a couple of years. So, guys, thanks very much for coming on. Um, I'll just go straight into the first question, if I may, and I'll ask this to David, actually. Could we start by each of you giving your view on how things are going with cladding <laughs> remediation? David, do you want to...? Yeah, yeah,
1: sure, sure, sure Brian. Um, I mean, at the highest level, um, and I have said this previously to to, to you in the past, Brian, um, that it is the most challenging issue that I've ever come across in yep. 25 or 24 years of residential property management. So, well, it's every everyone at the beginning was feeling their way through um, this situation um, and and the complexities surrounding it. Uh, and, and you know, at the highest level, I would say that you know it was never ever likely to be a tick boxing exercise, it it was about making sure post Grenville that people could put their head in their pillow at night and and know that they were safe in the building in which they lived. Um, That then kind of took us into areas where people were finding themselves not managing to get mortgages. People not managing to sell the property because questions were starting to be asked about building standards post Grenville, and obviously, without getting into the the full detail of it, the you know the Hackett report and and, and the information that came out of that about what was on Grenville in terms of material not being the the detail that had been submitted to planning, um, and then that brings us way forward to where we are today. Insurance has been one of the biggest challenges because the insurance market has hardened significantly um, and homeowners uh, throughout our industry have have felt the pain of that. There are several stakeholders uh, involved in in this whole scenario um, which in fairness to Scottish Government, they thought about bringing all those stakeholders to the table um, to, to highlight their own challenges. In terms of Factory industry, um, we 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 certainly at the outset identified that, uh, and again probably because most people didn't recognise that it wasn't part of a factoring um, remit, um, where we were facilities managers, we're not project managers, surveyors, or other, um, and the complexities from a construction and technical point of view. Um, was always going to be a challenge for us, let alone other challenges that will come on to very quickly. So not being a remit, the fact on industry, different companies took different approaches to it. Uh, I can only speak for my own organisation to say that we wanted to assist homeowners as best we could because uh, it was a a stressful and very serious issue. Uh Um, The biggest issue I see, um, and I've said from the outset, is that the freeholding um, tenure in Scotland, has has probably been the has probably been the unintended or as the unintended consequence of freehold tenure where um the duty holders are the collective homeowners and trying to engage with an industry that suffers from apathy in order to to, to find the solution to the problem. Um, getting homeowners together via um the the title deeds and what it dictates in there, whether it's the tenement, um, tenement Act 2004, whether it's the Property Factors Act 2011, whether it's the Building Standards Act 2006 or the Fire Safety Act 2005, trying to join all that up. Yeah. And the first thing that we asked for was uh, amended, primary, secondary, amended legislation. And again, a whole bundle of complexities uh, arrived through that. And and Scottish Government, um, amongst the other stakeholders, um, stood up to the challenge, pulled us all together, identified, listened to, uh, listened and learned from the freehold um challenges, um, the, the autonomy and empowerment being with the duty holders, which is a collective homeowners, um, and trying to find a way in which we could move it forward. So I have to say that given the fact that everyone has felt their way through this to to, to, to roll forward at least two and a half years, hard deep you maybe, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, Um, we're in a better place than we've ever been. Um, We've definitely, we had six developments, five developments in the pilot, actually now became six because two have been, two buildings in the same development have been split out at the moment to attack it. So, um, certainly we are seeing progress out of the six developments Two have probably been a result of, of Scottish Government's Accord program um, and, and engagement by them coming back to the table, and no doubt we'll speak about that. Uh, the other three are underway via homeowners' groups and or um, James Gibb alongside Scottish Government, and one is still working its way through. So, yeah, I would say I would say we've came a significant long way. Yes, it's been a long period of time, but, but I think I think as a, a an industry, we are cert- certainly in a better place in the last few months than we've ever been in the last two years Okay,
0: okay, I mean I guess it's true to say that it's, this has been a massive amount of work for Factors as well um, I mean I know that there's a, a huge huge amount of work by everyone else but I mean this is work that <clears throat> you guys have got to get involved in that you would not necessarily have got involved in um, if, if these sort of things hadn't happened
1: Yeah if you go back, without labour on the point, if you go back to the the um, Cabinet Secretary's announcement in the 12th of May when it was recognised that fact that wasn't factors remit. We, you know, we as an organisation have been doing this free of charge until until recently. Once we get involved in the facil- facilitation of the grant funding that's put yep. up by Scottish government, we're, we're starting to be able to apply um, some of our costs. But, but I mean, it has been that that aspect of it has ran at a loss because our job and our remit. Is to is to manage the facilities management, the insurance, the ground maintenance, the cleaning. But again, that's another that's another kind of um, education problem um, within within Scotland and and <clears throat> the community as um, as homeowners understanding because they always get confused with leasehold and leasehold. You have a landlord who is obviously driving this type of thing forward. yeah. Um, you don't have that in Scotland. They don't recognise that they're the duty holders and they've got collective responsibilities. So it has it has been a huge draining resource. There is absolutely no doubt about that, Brian. Um, and 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 you know we, we we will never recover it, but at least it's been recognised and it's going some way to to, to to um facilitate their involvement now um, after three years worth of of of, of involvement. And some yeah. other property factors have taken the decision not to become involved for those reasons, but but that I only speak from from our own organisation again, and morally um, that challenged me not to to assist homeowners.
0: Okay, cool. Thanks for that, Chris. Do you want to come in now and talk about um, your view on how things are going with the cladding remediation?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think David's summed it up pretty well. But from a, uh, someone sitting in um, an apartment which is subject to an SBA or some, for some people, um, they don't know whether they are or not. I think the, the process from across the piece, that what I'm getting in my ears from homeowners across mainly Glasgow and Edinburgh is this is taking too long. I'm not assenting to that um, comment, but I understand that comment, uh, utter frustration uh, at what, people perceive to be delay. Having worked with David Reed, the working group, Hardit and the team, I I know that people are working at it and it isn't a deliberate delay. People are actually working their socks off trying to get it sorted. But if you aren't getting information uh, and a lot of owners are not, then they don't know what's happening. They are either scared uh, of the costs they're scared of for safety and they still some of them are still in that position simply not knowing what's going on and if you're one of those people fortunately I'm not we have um, a very good factor who is just brilliantly helpful and has really been engaged in the process and I know as David has said his own firm has been really engaged but there are others who have for whatever reason chosen not to engage with their owners and for those owners this is a time of anger and fear Um, and really the communications that we need to get out and i've banged on about this often as david will witness and hard it too we need to communicate better somehow directly to the owners and i think there is a route to do that but i think every owner in a building that could potentially be the subject of an SBA yep. or get a communication i mean i've just had my being of a certain age i've just had my latest covid um, appointment through the door right. and so they can manage to get that to people you know so something in into the hands of the actual owners needs needs to um, it, it, uh, happen it may not comfort them but it will give them some sort of certainty yeah
0: yeah it's, at least it's a <clears throat> at least it's a, non, a known unknown rather than unknown unknown i guess isn't it so yeah. just having something is better than having nothing yeah.
2: yeah so i think that i mean that's if you ask owners if you go around edinburgh wherever or glasgow or wherever um that is the biggest thing um, you know i i get accused of um, all sorts of things and, and not getting on with it. but um, And that is the frustration in people's hearts um, and and their care for themselves and their families. And it's difficult to argue against that. From the other side, of course, the thing is that what we've got into, as David has, has pointed out, it, we've never been in this situation before. And the SBAs are... Is a, is a good idea. You end up with a building where you know, is this safe or is it not safe? Yeah. But the questions that we thought we were asking 18 months ago are still the questions. But in asking them, that has uncovered more questions that need to be asked of a building. And that has added to the time scale and the complication of it. And that has to happen. And we knew that this was a pilot process. You know, we were piloting away. We were trying to find out how this is going to work. And that has uncovered things that we perhaps weren't really considered. That being, okay, well, we need to think about this as well. So um, it's a bit like Topsy. It's grown. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Thanks for that. Thanks for that, Chris. So, Hardy, can you, from a I guess from a Scottish government point of view, having listened to all that, and also obviously everything you're involved in, um, your view on how things are going with cladding remediation?
3: Yeah, th- <clears throat> thanks, Brian. Um, I think that uh, I think to, to give a bit of context, we, in terms of the government, within I think weeks of the uh, Grenfell Tower fire, um, set up the ministerial working group for building and fire safety and then as a result of the ongoing issues in relation with cladding it then set up the mortgage lending and cladding working group of which david and chris are both are both members and then subsequently members of the the new working group which is um the cladding stakeholder uh, group i think the 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 key thing to note is that the everything that that david and, and chris has highlighted these these have all contributed to some of the challenges that we've that we've been facing but in yep. terms of, of what the government is doing, um, we we received the, the, the first tranche of, of monies from the UK government. Um, I think it was at the early stage of 2021. And that was for 97.1 million. So the first thing that we did was utilize that money to and deliver on the recommendations from that um, ministerial working group for mortgage lending and cladding and the main one was the introduction of the single building assessment. And mm-hmm. Again, coming back to something that had said there is there's a lot of uncertainty about what is actually on a building Um, And equally not just what's on a building but how the building was constructed and and, and the fire safety measures not just within the building and and, and not just on the building but also within the building. So one of the key things that the single building assessment does is it integrates both an internal fire risk assessment as well as an external wall assessment and Scottish Government is committed um, to delivering this free of charge for homeowners um, and, and the Cabinet Secretary has, 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 has reiterated that in the Chamber. And so, from, from our perspective, we, we embarked on this programme just over a year ago in, in June, June of last year. And that's when we, we started the, the, the pilot of, of, of approximately 25, 26 buildings. And in May of this year, the Cabinet Secretary also announced that we would be expanding that pilot with another 80 buildings. I think. In terms of coming back to Chris's point about timescales, absolutely the timescales are quite long but I think the reason for the timescales being quite long at the moment is because we had originally selected 25 of the highest risk buildings and because of the highest risk nature of those buildings, the inspection threshold is quite high and so as a result the the time taken to actually get a comprehensive risk-based review of that building does take a long time Uh so i think for some buildings some buildings that may be simpler buildings may actually be able to be um assessed quicker so so we're expanding the the kind of ranges of options and types of of assessment and we're exploring those with the fire risk assessors, specifically the fire engineers, as well as fire risk assessors who are surveys surveyors, so we're trying to work with industry professionals about a graded approach towards fire risk assessment in, you know, appropriate to the building. So, so we so we're working with industry professionals to to try and assess risk appropriately, but equally we're trying to assess risk so that homeowners can be assured that when we've actually looked at a building that they themselves are fully aware of what the risks are and then can subsequently, we can work with factors and homeowners about making decisions about the correct course of action for their building. Because every building really is different and has been constructed differently and has different risks. So the key thing is that homeowners are pivotal to making those decisions because, after all, it is their building, yeah. and 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 they are the ones who should be, um, you know, making those decisions around um, what they're prepared to, to to have changes made to their buildings, um, and 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 not. So 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 that as so to come back to how things are going. So we are still in that pilot stage, and the reason for that is because the the single building assessment being much more stringent in terms of a traditional fire risk assessment and um, we are bringing the industry professionals with us on that journey and there's a bit of learning on their side there's learning on our side and as David has alluded to we, we were heavily relying on property factors in the beginning to help shoulder some of the burden of of helping move things forward but as the cabinet secretary said on the 12th of May in parliament you know we've we've recognised that actually you know, the, the factors have done a huge amount of work and, and it was going beyond that kind of scope of service that they were traditionally a part of. Sure. And so that's why she had announced on that day that we would be expanding the pilot and actually introducing a new method of delivery. And that was directly procuring, the Scottish Government will actually directly procure um, single building assessments with fire engineers and surveyors or appropriately qualified surveyors. And then that helps us, alleviate some of the burden on on property factors. So ideally the way the process should work now is we we would anticipate that the property factors would still gather consent from homeowners in those buildings, because we do need the consent um, Uh of homeowners in order to proceed with inspection works, because especially if those inspection works require intrusive inspections. So from that perspective, we still need consent but what we but what we've cut out of the equation at the moment now is that property factors could then step away from having to be involved in complex project management of yeah. of you know single building assessments. And so as a result, we would take on that burden and actually directly work with those fire engineering firms. And what in in terms of coming back to to Chris's point about communications, I think the real challenge for us is, The hesitation, I suppose, is is from our perspective is we want to be able to go out to homeowners when we've got, as you would say, a completed product of a single building assessment where we could actually say with absolute clarity, industries on board, the, the you know the mortgage lending market is on board, insurance market is on board, and um, developers are on board as well, um, and 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 all of that is is taking time to get all of those jigsaw pieces in place. However, what we have got is what's what the cabinet secretary announced as well is that we are working with industry on the development of um, a, a Scottish safer buildings accord, and that's where we're bringing together. Um, developers who've got associated connections with buildings and working with them to help complete assessments of buildings as well as moving towards remediation. So and I know it's taken an awful lot of time to get to this stage, but I really do anticipate that, that the building blocks are in, in place. And, and ideally, once everything is agreed and we can then end the pilot, then we should be in a position to make much better progress especially with industry buy-in and, and obviously with, with um, an increase in the number of fire, of fire risk assessors um, that, that the Royal Institute for Chartered Surveyors are training up at the moment. Yeah. So we do have capacity issues in the market, but we are endeavouring to actually alleviate these problems. Hope that, hope that gives you a nice summary.
0: It does, it does gives me a great summary. Thanks very much for that. It kind of brings everything together for us. So So going back to David, um, the single building assessment pilot. Could you share your perspectives on this and what this year will mean for people in terms of, of, of those assessments? Well,
1: obviously, the biggest part of that is that, that out of out of that single building assessment, the homeowners want to be able to get an EWS1 form that allows them to be able to sell or remortgage their property. Um, that's the, that, that, that that is that is the bit that's making this this whole jigsaw puzzle come together because at the moment there's enough a lot of people out there who are in that position, as well as potentially in an unsafe building. Um, I guess as hard deep as a line to you kind of touched on it um is 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 certainly for, from, from our point of view, but this is really stage one because stage two um, could identify serious issues with, with the building which require remedial works. There may be an option to carry out mitigation. Um, so really stage two is, is, is once you've identified what the problem is um, via the, the the first stage of the SBA, then the biggest challenge for everybody involved is, is if there is remediation required, um, how is that? likely to be funded and and did and you touched on a couple of things there and in fairness i have to highlight this as, as a as a case study um and, I, and i've used it on numerous occasions we have a development um in, in edinburgh uh, and it's 400 flats now every time we called an agm in 14 years the most we ever had at it was about nineteen people. Now the quorum to make decisions on that development is a uh, hundred and twenty three, I think, from memory. Um now you call a meeting about cladding and, and and knowing that there's a localized Facebook page, everybody's aware that people can't sell their flat, you know, um people are struggling to remortgage. And you call that meeting an attempt before the SBA started just to get a, a a fire safety audit carried out. Now you would have expected that the the interest in that would have taken us to the numbers required to, to be quoted at that meeting. And we got twenty nine. Wow. That is that that apathy is driving a lot of this as well. And 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 without without the the involvement to the level that deeps. Um, aligned to this would still be a standstill, um, and and that's the bi- that, that that's the issue about people feeling their way through this. There's a number of other issues involving other stakeholders, whether it's UK lenders, whether it's our RICS, whether it's the buildings insurers, home builders themselves. But for me, for me, the, the whole thing centres around how how do you buy the apathy issue, um, and and now we seem to be going in in the direction so. For, for me, going forward, there's still quite a lot of challenges and hurdles to overcome to, to, to get to where we need to get to. One of the biggest things for me, and it perhaps comes on to your last <clears throat> question, and that's you know what should happen in the future. Um, I'll touch on it and whether Hardly wants to pick up on it, is, is obviously there's been discussions about a central register. Now, this is something even before cladding that I've been banging a drum about because... Every time we take a building, um, we take handover a building, we refuse to take handover um, from a home builder until we get the ONM manuals and all the details specific to that building. Um, Now, if, and then the other issue we've got is when we take it off and we get awarded a site from another property factor, um, we don't get that information coming across because they sometimes don't have it. So by creating a central register for, uh, EWS buildings that have passed through the SBA and are green lighted as being safe, you could actually. And I spoke to a law commission about this. You could actually have a tie up on that central register, which puts all the own manuals in there, puts all the home reports in there. Now granted, that needs facilitated and it needs managed. Um, but I was working the theory of where's the intangible cost? And there must be a huge amount of intangible cost going on behind the scenes trying to tie all this up and, and the cladding is a classic example of it. <coughs> so, so from any challenge, there's always opportunity um, and from opportunity, there's solutions. So I'm maybe going you know, a bit off piece there, but, but but certainly I, th- I think it's there's, a, there's an opportunity to tie up several challenges in the the house building marketplace um, as we come out the other end of this. Um, but... But yeah, going going forward, um, we're through. We're getting through stage. Certainly, our most dangerous buildings are getting through stage one. Mm-hmm. But the big ones yet to come, and that's right. Okay, now we know that it's it's not a green. It's not a green development. It's a red development. It needs remediated. It needs mitigated. Who's going to pay for it? Who's going to pay for it? If apathy exists, some of it may be at the door of the home builder. Some of it may not the court system may bring the home builders back to the table and that's again probably there's a whole bundle of legal complexities in there because we've certainly got one development where it was a JV between three three parties wow and okay. and, and one of which has come back to the table the other one has not engaged and the other one hasn't even raised their head so there's, there's numerous complexities still out there, um, and numer- numerous challenges and hurdles to go over, and and that's what will cause delays. And uh, uh, to you know, to Chris's point, uh, he recognises, having sat and listened to the to, to, to the work that was on the group that we're all on, um, you can see that as you get over one hurdle, you come up against the the hurdle that's nailed down, and you have to start screwing out the the. The, the safety catches before you go over the over the next stage so um i don't know if chris and 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 hardy would agree with that assessment
0: okay that's interesting i mean the, the big question always is that you know who is um who is going to pay for it all isn't it so um <clears throat> chris or hardy do you want to come back on anything that Davis has just yeah. said or, or do you want to just answer the question as well yourself we well, should I just
2: come in on uh, the bit about consent and some which is um, i Fully sympathize with David. We have about 278 properties in my own development. Uh, The quorum at at the minute, although we're just about to change the deeds, we hope if we can get enough people to do it, uh, is 50%. Um, Historically, when we've had in-person meetings, we've had up to about 52%. 49 percent so you can get people turning out on a night and actually the business you undertake actually it's not core so hey you know was there any point um and i'm sure there was a point but you know in terms of legality um but in terms of getting consent for uh an sba two things we still have people we actually had someone i think about six weeks ago bearing in mind we are in the middle of an sba or asking what's an SBA Um so that kind of gives an indication of the level of engagement of some of the owners and especially where you have absentee owners who are essentially landlords who've let properties out and are living elsewhere and really just want to rake the money in and they don't engage so that is a big problem I think I think David probably said that he's found that across his properties too I don't know but um, that is huge. So in terms of getting consent, we actually did a survey. We actually sent a survey to every homeowner. um, And even that we were struggling at the 50%, but out of the people who replied, we had an overwhelming assent to carry out the work. Uh, And I think two people against something like that. We didn't get a hundred percent, we never will but that seemed to work and it does seem to actually give a really good uh, basis for ongoing work and and actually engaging in the SBA and um, uh, very very few people are unhappy about having an SBA but we use this term SBA as we have done throughout this podcast all the time and people understand it's a single building assessment they don't understand what the what that involves they don't understand the risks i.e it might show things that you just really didn't you hoped you wouldn't find so it's like going to the doctor for you know you're not feeling well and you go along and they kind of give you some bad news i'm afraid this is serious you have to have an operation well i wish i hadn't known if i come to the doctor i wouldn't have known and it's just like that that we've got buildings that we know were constructed some of them were constructed badly and not in accordance with building regulations Uh, some of them were in accordance with the regulations at the time but they are still high risk so the thing is people are scared of what they might find out scared of the implications for them in terms of cost and i know we'll deal with that later because there is a kind of plan for that but even so these are the things that put people off from engaging once you've actually got them engaged so we are now at the situation where we actually have got and I think we talk about safe and unsafe I think the insurers have used the term um, high risk and low risk which is perhaps a better um, description Um, so we're at the the point of trying to assess where uh, is our building high risk is it low risk what needs to be done okay this is about the cladding on the walls well no it's not it's actually more than that so in common with many offices hospitals um, residential homes and uh, private properties we have a car park which is underneath our building when we first started talking about cladding in Gosh, I think 2018, 19, we weren't particularly thinking of things like that, but then you've got car parks and then the the fire assessor, they say, hold on a minute, how are you gonna get a fire engine in there if there was a fire under the building, which is where the gas comes into the building, which is where there are ducts ventilating the building. How are you gonna deal with this? Now that's not only for residential buildings, that actually applies to many, many properties. So now that's a whole, Different ball game, and so you, people have signed up for an SBA. Think, oh, it's about the cladding. Oh, well, actually, it might be about the car park. Yeah. Oh, well, we didn't think we were signing up for that. Well, you know, we didn't understand. I didn't, speaking personally, I didn't understand the implications of that, and so that is why the pilot scheme, as Hardip has said, it is complex. They're looking at big buildings with big issues. And there are a lot of interconnected issues which are far more interconnected than we thought they were and have implications for deciding whether a building is high or low risk so that is an issue um, and you know we've just got to somehow work our way through that
0: yeah yeah no I agreed <clears throat> i mean we had a conversation we did a podcast the other week actually about um, EV charging, actually, electrical yeah. charging, and the and the possible um, fire risk of having um, EV charges in car parks on the buildings and things like that. And it was a it was a fascinating conversation. So I, I get what you're saying. You know that could show up anything, and, and not what you're thinking it, t- it would. Um, Hardly. Do you want to? Uh, I know you touched on the single business assessment when you first um, when you first spoke. But do you want to come back on anything that um, that David or Chris have said on that?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I just to say that I 100% agree with actually everything that they, they, they both highlighted, um, consent is a massive um, uh, challenge for us as well in terms of delivering this program. Um, unfortunately the the law is the law and so from that perspective we you know we have to comply with the law, comply with title deeds and so from from our perspective we are here to support the homeowners in achieving what it is that they're looking for, which is an assessment of their building. And and in in the delivery of that single building assessment, we do need consent. And I don't think there's a way of getting around that. I think it's just a case of we're just going to have to work through this um, as as best as best we can. Um, I think in in terms of um, you know coming back to one of chris's points about complex buildings and so on we are this is very much on a building by building basis and as i said because we are looking at the holistic fire risk issues of that building chris is absolutely right we are uncovering all sorts of issues with the building that people didn't necessarily realize were related to cladding because obviously fire does does spread and it can go into car parks and and so on and then subsequently um you know has 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 huge impacts on other aspects of of how buildings function so the 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 assessment in and of itself will deliver a very comprehensive review of the fire risk you know associated with a building but the bigger the building the more you're going to find and again that that does have impacts on time scales so consent has an impact in terms of getting started and then equally as you go through the process of assessing the building as more and more things become uncovered, it actually delays the completion of the final report. Yes. Because what a fire risk assessor will do is they will take each individual fire risk element of a building and then um, make a, a holistic assessment of the building in the round. And in order to do that, they they do literally need to be quite um, you know, granular in detail when it comes yeah. to looking at that fire risk. So, I mean, it's just, just I would one hundred percent agree with with um, you know everything that that Chris and, and David have mentioned there in terms of the challenges.
0: Okay, okay. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. We actually had I, can't, I remember um, interviewing Annie Flint on this podcast actually, and she was. Um, Adamant that the home report was not good enough for people. I know this is off off a cladding conversation, but absolutely adamant. The home report was just absolutely not um, going far enough and needed to go further because it was only talking about the the actual um, uh, unit or flat that you were that, that that was being looked at, and and actually that an entire building kind of report should be there so that um, people are aware when they're buying of everything else that's going on in the building and not just that unit. And, and, and you know, David, I said earlier about a register, and it, it certainly does seem that in the future that would be a, a wonderful idea for something to do. That,
1: that, that, Brian, is something that's getting looked at in a separate working group at Scottish is Government, it? where they're looking at building audits, um, which would capture fire safety audits as mandatory. Yeah. Um, because when you look at the insurance companies, insurance companies will make a recommendation that every... Three to five years, you carry out a, a valuation of yeah. the building to make sure that it's obviously um, at the set sums. But but one again a drum I've been beating for years is that building audit would 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 assist in home reports, assist in um, avoiding the slums of the future because then people will realise what what it will take to upkeep and maintain the development to a standard and avoid falling into a state of disrepair and yeah. on top of that the other recommendation was maintenance funds is mandatory um, yeah. because a lot of people there don't have any maintenance fund and don't have any way of dealing with um, large scale improvement works when it when it comes chapping at your door years down the line so um, that is certainly something else that's, that, that's moving forward
0: yeah that's good that's good um, so, um, okay, I have one more quote. Oh, I heard a dog barking. It's not mine for a change. Um, so um, just coming to the last question, is enough being done to help everyone involved in this process? Now, David and Chris, you're more involved in touch with people who are directly affected. So let's come back to you, David, um, um, first again. What experiences can you share in, in, within that?
1: Yeah, I mean, Chris has already touched on it, um, Unfortunately, the factoring industry has um, a stigma attached to it. Um, so anytime you put out a piece of communication, people second guess as to what your underlying money-making scheme is in it. Uh, yeah. and, and it's not the way. The industry's moved on massively since, since those days. Granted, there is still, unfortunately, um, there'll be some companies out there that maybe don't follow the rules hmm. to... The letter but that's why the property factors act there um, and the codes there to, to to make sure that we're all singing from the hem, same hem sheet. However, that's the reason why the membership forums are absolutely requesting communication to go out from a trusted voice, um, a trusted brand, if you like, um, like Scottish Government to, to 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 advise homeowners of what's happened to date. Now, Chris aligned to something earlier on. We do that regularly. Um, I share, I share the content of of, of meetings, um, the planning group meetings, with the other members, um, and update them regularly. and And then I'll use the same information and, and distribute it as best we can in lay, layman's terms to, to, to our groups of homeowners. Um, so, so the communication is is absolutely vital for us now not only what's as i said what's went on in the past where we're at where we're going um and, and likely to go but i do i have to i have to say i do recognize hard deep's point that we've always spoke about this is this is a, a this is a situation that moves weekly monthly quarterly annually um and and more so in the beginning it was it was week to week you would you would think you were up to date and then the next week you would you would find out things had moved on again. So so it's just finding a way in which maybe a blog, I don't know, Scottish Government blog, something along those lines that there's just small updates that can continuously be updated um, would be good. The Central Register for me is is something that I feel quite strongly about. And, and I do think a join-up of many stakeholders in that would solve a lot of problems that have existed for a long, long time um, uh, between local authorities, Scottish Government, private firms, factors, there's, there's, you know, the estate agents, there's enough a lot that can be done there, done right, and, and, and perhaps part-funded by all organisations, I don't know, um, but there's, it's, it's worth a thought, um, and as I a t- line to earlier on I spoke to the Law Commission because I was involved in the Law Commission with what I just talked about, building audits, maintenance funds, X, Y and Z, um, and I said, well, you should be talking to these people over here and just getting a bit of join up between these things because they're all relative and all part of the jigsaw puzzle. Um, and then probably the other challenge we've got, but to be fair, Deep and his team have been addressing it and, and that's asking factors to sign grant funding letters on behalf of clients because we then have to go back again and seek their agreement um, to, to, to the factor to be able to sign um, grant funding letters on their behalf on behalf of the co-proprietors and there's a bit of a, there's, there's, whether we like it or not there's some legal exposure in there And um, certainly we had our solicitors look at the, the, the grant funding detail that's, when I say grant funding, that's a grant funding for the um, fire audits to be carried out yeah. and then the last point that needs some consideration um, I'm not up to date with it but if we're asking home builders to come back and they do come back and they're reviewing the building, what independent view has been taken on that? Is it Scottish Government? Is it a a subcontracted firm to Scottish Government that will be analysing what it is they're reporting on? Because, not that I'm suggesting they would, but there is... Opportunity there, if, if if something is highlighted that is a major exposure and a major cost, um, you'd like to think that morally that wouldn't be the right thing to do, but but you never know. Um, um, so that's probably the four things that I would like to see um, uh, probably evolve going forward rather than improve, because I absolutely understand some of the complexities, whether the whether it's apathy, whether it's legalities, or other. Um, then I I recognise it. It's just finding a way around it.
0: (coughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, that last point you meant, and I think (coughs) you've mentioned this to me before, (coughs) there's an element of marking one's own homework in that respect, isn't it? Nobody would ever allow anyone to do that. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, Chris. Chris, I know you've touched on a a lot of this already, but... um, is enough being done to help everyone involved in this process? Do you have anything else you want to you want to pitch in?
2: Well, I've already said, I think, uh, I understand uh, the, the government's point that they want to come with a package to tell people this is what's happening. Um, but that's a bit like waking, waiting for good news. Um, so it's a bit like, um, you know, in the Second World War that you don't announce anything until the war's over. You know, it's kind of um, but we're in the middle of a war and the trouble is the people who are, who are affected in the war, the people who, if you like, who are in the trenches are the people who are living in the homes. And if they don't know anything, even if there isn't a lot to know, we need to communicate to them. And I, I've, I've already bashed on about this. I, I could talk about it for half an hour, but there needs to be a way to get something. We did, as a group, we Rise Scotland, we put out a pressy. Uh, a flow chart on our site after um, the Scottish Government's, or the, the, the Secretary's statement in May, which was well-received. Yeah. Um, it, and it wasn't promising that everything was being done. It was a factual, this is where we're at. And so something needs to come out. And I think, you know, that there is a good team at Scott Gov that you need to get something into people's hands. And there is a way, whether it is by giving that that communication and i think david's point about branding if it comes from scott gov it's their letter going to people but it's the factors who send it to the individual owners if you are act, like <laughs> acting as the postman uh, i think we need to get something i mean we needed to get something into people's hands before christmas and we're now i see now we've now got christmas cards in the shop so you know it, we yeah. need to get on with this and have something we can't wait to have the the perfect product we need to get something to people now and that will at least show people that there's someone caring about them Um, which is a big thing because people are questioning motives as they always do social media is a nightmare Um, Mm -hmm. people are always questioning you know what's in it for these people because they couldn't organize anything but to allay that we need to say something even if it is look we haven't got the answers this is a big problem this is where we're at at the moment and we'll issue you another update in you know four months say three times a year or something because yeah. this this thing is going to go on for years yeah. we are going to be talking about remediation and stuff you know for three four five six seven eight years because of the time it's going to take to get some of these things done so we need to have um something in layman's speak accurate short that actually tells people where they're at and if they had one you know two months ago say well I still don't know what's happening we'll get another one in a couple of months at least people have got something you know to, to hang their hat on so yeah that's a biggie a very biggie yeah
0: okay Thanks, Chris. And Hardeep, just, so just to finish off, um, I don't know if you have any views on is on, enough being done to help everyone involved in the process, but also um, how do government employees humanise what is happening to people's lives would be a good thing to ask you. So um, I suppose in
3: terms of is enough being done, um, the, the, the straight answer to that one is we're, we are trying our best to get things done as quickly as possible. However, You're you're absolutely right. It's not that not enough is being done. It's more that we're doing what we're doing. And I really like Chris's um, um, analogy there about war and how we're not going to tell anybody about the war until we've won it. And he's absolutely right there. And it's really pivotal. Actually, what we need to do more of is you know, lots of morale boosters, I suppose, yes. um, yeah. you know, being able to, as yes. Chris is saying, communicate out because we have been doing an awful lot of good work. I think we've we've just um, we've, we've been so um, preoccupied with not trying to build expectations because um, we know what we want as a final outcome, that's been clearly articulated in yes. the mortgage lending and planning, you know, uh, working groups uh, report <clears throat> and its recommendations. So we do know where we're trying to get to i think um, the real the real challenge is there's a lot of different moving parts some of which you know are, are ours to own so for example the communication angle and i take your point you know david and and chris that that we we do need to spend more time communicating however we've we've tried to offset that by spending more time delivering so we're trying to push forward with uh, all of these um, 26 buildings in the pilot and the other 80 buildings but you're absolutely right chris Maybe we need to just take stock and, you know, communicate more um, to the to the wider public. So, a hundred percent, take that one and on on board. And in terms of the human angle, as you say, um, Brian, I think you know that can't be stressed enough. We, we our primary factor is about keeping people safe in, in their homes. And from that perspective, again, we, we again we're not trying to. To alarm people because we do firmly believe that the building standards in Scotland which have been much more strict than than those across the uk since since approximately 2005 you know we do anticipate that the scale of the problem isn't as large as say the scale in England however the that doesn't that doesn't make life any easier for people living in these homes so our, our, our real approach is get this single building assessment pilot um, completed um, make sure that industry, um, you know, accept the outcomes coming back to something that I think David mentioned, which was around developers doing their own assessments or, or anyone doing their own assessments. Yeah. It's all about industry respecting um, the consistency of the standards that we are yeah. trying to embed. And with those consistent standards, it means that actually there'll be much more acknowledgement from industry that industry's got it right. So from that perspective, in in theory, in in the future, it it shouldn't really matter who commissions uh, an assessment on the building, it should be done to the consistent standard.
1: yeah.
3: and from that perspective again, because it's you know these are buildings owned by the homeowners, homeowners can hold whoever does that assessment to account if the assessment isn't isn't correct. so the the power really does rest with the homeowners. And our role here in government is to support um, that that work and and help try and navigate through some of those barriers, um, and that's really what we're working through at the moment. But I take your point, Chris. Absolutely, we do we do need to 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 work with you and with David to improve that support and and improve that communication out to factors as
0: well as homeowners. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, gents, that's been really useful. I think what, one, one good thing that was, I mean, we've done this on a, you know, a couple of podcasts. I think we should come back in a year's time and see where we are and see where we've moved to and, 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 and how much progress has been made. And I think that'd be really, really useful in a way, way to timestamp it as well and on this podcast. Um, David, I'm sure you'd come back on, but do you have anything to add just before we wrap up?
1: No, no, no. The only thing I noted down, which is related but unrelated, and, and probably again comes back to what you're saying, Brian. Is that I've been um, banging a, a, another drum at Property Managers Association Scotland about how we educate the homeowners. Yeah. To to you know, Chris touched on it. One, one of the biggest challenges in our industry is is is, is, is predominantly downsizers, first time buyers, getting the first introduction to factoring not having a, you know, a, a purchasing or a solicitor clearly explain what their responsibilities are as duty holders.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it does have an effect on this as well because because if we can get that message out there, however we do it via podcasts, via even adverts, we've been talking about doing things like that to try and make sure that um, Scotland is educated, that it is not leasehold, there is no landlord here, That is a collective <laughs> it's a collective. Bunch of landlords and duty holders that that, that that are responsible for ensuring that their development is properly maintained and managed, and and if we can look in a, and assess legislation, um, because there's massive learning curves through this whole process. It's such a such a massive thing that has highlighted that challenge. So 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 for us. I think everybody can do more in communicating exactly what, what 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 factoring is all about and 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 where the responsibilities lie with, with homeowners. Yeah, sure, sure. I've said that to you 101 times before, Brian. so yeah,
0: yeah, we we even talk about it on some podcasts. We've stopped doing it though because we keep referencing you, <laughs> Chris, <laughs> Chris. Anything to add before we finish up? No,
2: no. I I really just back up David. I think um, our own. Um, Factor I had a conversation with the other day, and we're singing from the same shong, song sheet. We send regular updates to all our owners, yeah. some of which are well received, and some of which clearly just go straight in the bin or don't even get opened. Yeah. And uh, her comment was that we ought to have, when we communicate with owners, rather like when the children have their end of term reports, that they have to get a parent to sign it to say that they've read it. Um, and quite clearly, I would say this is a guesstimate in our own owners, and they're probably more responsive than many across Scotland. I would suggest that between 25 and 30% of them simply don't read the emails or letters sent to them.
0: Yeah,
1: that's actually quite high. It's <laughs> actually quite high compared to our analysis that goes out the door for our messaging. So. Yeah, you're right, Chris. That is particularly high for and that that, that gives you a clear indication of, 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 of where that apathy exists. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. And Hardeep,
0: anything to anything to end for you? Um, no, only only other
3: than we should as Chris and, and David said, you know, we, we, we will definitely work collaboratively with with all of our stakeholders in terms of improving that communication. Because there's an awful lot going on in this space, and mm. and we are trying our best to, to move things forward quickly. We've got a lot of barriers, but you know we we will get there in the end. Um, but I think, as Chris said, you know we've we've got to get out those morale boosting stories that will help yes. keep people um, reassured that things are moving in the right direction.
1: Cool. And can but, I just check, Brian, before we go that, um, that 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 Chris has not got a caveat over that phrase about the Second World War, because I intend to use it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure that. you would. I'm sure you would. Feel
1: free. Thank you.
0: Right, gents, thank you very much. That's been really, really useful. Thanks for coming on, and, and hopefully our listeners have, um, have, have enjoyed that and got something out of it. And and I really do think we should be back in a year and, and just see um how, how everything has moved on and where we are. So look forward to that as well.
1: Thanks. Excellent. Appreciate your time, Brian.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.